on BSB OT. Games one and two versus the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. Imagine. Uh, Canucks. Eastern. Eastern. Oh my God! Should we just start the podcast over? Stanley Cup Finals. I'm still in last week at this point. Gregory, how are you? Clicking. Uh, did you just stroke out? Yeah. Yeah, do you want to? I'll restart. Ready? Let's start again. Here we go. I'm gonna keep this part in though, just for everyone out there. All right, here we go. BSB OT games one and two versus the Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup Final, 1994. Fucked it up again. That's impressive. Did I? What did I do this time? You really? You you couldn't? You can't say Vancouver for some reason. Really? Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks versus the New York Rangers 1994 Stanley Cup Finals. Nailed it. We finally got there, Gregory. Greggy? Oh, my God. What is wrong with you me? You suck. Yeah. You're doing terrible. Yep, I agree with you. Um, Let's get this just shit started, shall we? Uh, I actually just... I mean, we're, we've been trying to, and you, you've just been fumbling for the last two minutes. <laughs> I feel like Mark Sanchez on Thanksgiving. Um, oh, that's rude. I th- Yes, shout out to Mark Sanchez. I'm sure he's doing well, right? He has to be. He's made a lot of money. He's doing fine. He's fine. All right. I just finished watching these games one and two. I, I have no recollection of this series whatsoever. Going into, I actually didn't even look at the scores ahead of time for these games. I have the hockey reference open just to, um, well, to reference some hockey uh, for games one and two. But going into this, I knew nothing. Going into the Vancouver series, did you remember anything? Did you know anything other than it went games, seven games? And I, I know the now I can die sign. And I've watched a game seven, but I don't know really remember anything else from games one through six at all. No, I, I know eventually in this series, Pavel Bore is going to have a penalty shot on Mike Richter who shuts him down. I know the Rangers win in seven. And that's the extent of my knowledge as well. I've never... I've never done a deep dive. I mean, I didn't do a deep dive on the Devil series either, which kind of makes this fun because now I'm going into this completely new and unaware of what happened, the circumstances surrounding every game. What I've learned so far from this postseason, the New York Rangers can't hold the fucking leap to save their lives. No, dude. <laughs> it's incredible. I've never seen anything like this before. The amount of times the Rangers have given up a goal with less than a minute to go in the third period, it. It's sickening, truly sickening. There's a couple takeaways just from, you know, I was like, okay, maybe it's just this series. But one of the things you said already, which was they can't keep a lead at all. And it, it would have, uh, I commend all of you who could actually think and watch this series and survived. If the Rangers didn't win, I can only imagine how we'd be talking about this playoffs at this point. Um, but the other thing is Brian Leach is absolutely incredible. And I, I, I know we've talked about this already, but I still feel like he's underrated. And I don't know how that's possible. We've, said, we've had a conversation multiple times, but he plays 40 minutes in game one. 41 minutes, actually. And they go to overtime again, in case you were wondering. Because the Rangers cannot help themselves but go to overtime. Uh, this will be their fourth overtime in uh, what is eight games at this point. So, Brian Leach plays 41 minutes. Keenan is unbelievable. I don't understand how this guy was coach. Like, I know, like, he won the cup, but it does feel, and someone tweeted this at us, you know, when we when we could tweet on the internets and stuff like that. They said, I feel like the Rangers won in spite of Mike Keenan, and it truly feels that way. I saw your tweet earlier saying um, uh, Kovalev was, like, one of the best players in the Devil series, and I agree. 
and then immediately he takes Kovalev off the first line and puts Glenn Anderson on there. It's it's just mind-boggling what this guy does. And we'll get to game two because he makes more mind-boggling decisions. Yeah, I this rewatching this with hindsight as the big benefit is really and truly an indictment on Mike Keenan. But before we get into Keenan, I want to focus on Kovalev yep. because that's the that's the other thing this rewatch has done for me. It's made me frustrated by Rangers personnel decisions after 1994. I, I I'm still uneasy about everything that led into the Doug Wade for Essatikin and trade because again, Tikin in such an important part of the 94 team that I think that one individually at the, at the end of the day I might be able to swallow. But we've talked about the Zubov trade tree. The Kovalev trade tree is not as unforgivable, but it, it's highly unforgivable. Uh, after the 94 season, Kovalev posts back-to-back 53-point seasons, uh, back-to-back 23-goal seasons. He's there, there are columns being written about him, but kind of <laughs> basically how columns are being written about Pavel Buchnevich, like current day. Right. Uh, but 1998 comes around. The New York Rangers are trying to reacquire Peter Nedved, who they, first of all, shouldn't have traded away, but they did. Nedved has been holding out with the Penguins for over a year. He it is He's made it clear he's not going to sign a contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins also, mind you, Ryan, are in literal bankruptcy. They file for bankruptcy protection because they owe over $120 million to creditors that they can't pay back. Seems good. So, again, Peter Nedved doesn't want to play for the Penguins, and the Penguins don't have money. So the Rangers want Nedved back. You would think that they would be able to just essentially buy Nedved back, not have to give anything up except salary cap, or not even salary cap, just financial relief. And for some reason, not only do the Rangers include Kovalev in the trade, they agree to pay Kovalev's salary for the Penguins. That's the part that so, is like mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It's, and it's it's Kovalev has some great seasons with the Penguins. It's just it's not only that the Rangers were misevaluating their own asset, it's that the Rangers didn't understand that they had the Penguins backed up against the wall. The Penguins had no choice but to say yes to whatever Peter Nedved proposal the Rangers threw at them. Now, in to Nedved's credit, he came back to the Rangers and he was pretty solid. I mean, he never put up the 99 points like he did that one big year he had in Pittsburgh, but we'd be lying if we said Peter Nedved was ever through and through bad with the New York Rangers when he came back. They they but it's it's the Rangers trying to correct the mistake by making another mistake and it really you can really understand why this organization just sucked eggs for a decade after 1994. They couldn't make a good decision to save their lives. Now, specifically about Kovalev <laughs> they, in this game. My man, they it, made a lot of bad decisions in these playoff series. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Going back to this game specifically, Kovalev, the last three games against the Devils, outside of Brian Leach, there is no other Ranger we can sit down here and say, was better than Alex Kovalev, except Richter. But if we're not including goalies in this conversation, it was Leach and Kovalev that drove the Rangers to come back against the Devils. Which is so funny because if you were just a random guy in the street who was a Ranger fan, you'd be like, Mark Messier was the reason we won all the the Cup Final. 
Uh, and I don't know if the answer is not. It's Brian Leach and Kovalev are, are the two driving forces other than Victor. Yeah. But what is what is Keenan? Keenan starts the game with Kovalev back down on the second line Love instead it. of doing what was working against the Devils, which is keeping him with Messier and Graves. Bumps him down. So what does Kovalev do? All Kovalev does is play give and take with Brian Leach to set up Steve Larmer's goal in the first period. And then Keenan has this come to Jesus moment where it's like, oh, oh. maybe I should keep Kovalev on the top line Kovalev in advantageous positions. By the way, Kovalev, just, the first Russian uh, name on the cup? I did not know that until this uh, watching this. He was the first one. Yeah, because the Russians weren't allowed to play in the NHL. I totally forgot at that point. There was this thing called the Cold War. Mm, that did happen. Was, yes. <laughs> History. Uh, but yeah, Kovalev, it, it's just... The mindset to try to bump Kovalev off the first line, first of all, nonsensical. But I, like, I, I guess I want to give Keenan credit for correcting the mistake almost immediately. But it's the fact that he shouldn't have had to make the mistake. There's no reason to take Kovalev off that line. Your best two games offensively with Messier and Graves, who again disappeared. I will say, we'll get to the overtime. Adam Graves came to life in the overtime that where he, we, he was just invisible for games two through seven against the devils. And then this overtime happened and it seemed like Adam Graves was on the ice the entire time, but I don't, I just don't get Keenan. I really don't. I don't understand him. And I know we're going to talk about game two because Keenan puts on another fucking masterclass <laughs> in game two. Game but two is like that, a nightmare for Keenan. I, I, I just don't get it. It's just Kovalev and Leach are so good on that first goal. I'm happy that Kovalev put Keenan in a situation where he had to put him back on the first line. I not even a, a, a average coach doesn't take Kovalev off that first line. They understand that something special is working on that line and they just don't touch it. But Keenan, he's just actively bad. He makes decisions that hurt the Rangers on a constant basis. And I truly believe the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup final. In spite of Mike Keenan. It has to be. I, I, I have no other conclusion at this point. Has to be. It, it, is, it should be noted, for those that don't know, the Vancouver Canucks were the seventh seed in the uh, NHL playoffs this year. The Rangers were the first in the Eastern Conference, and this is them meeting the finals. Um, they, their star player is Pavel Bure. You may have heard of him. Um, I didn't realize how prominent he was. And uh, for game one, I had the MSG broadcast, so I got to listen to Sam and JD, and I want to talk about that especially in a second. Well, yeah, but, it's interesting because the DVDs I have, they randomly put MSG for game one as well. And then it immediately went back to game two, uh, ESPN. Gary okay, Thorne. so the same stuff. Because <laughs> I had game. I don't. I don't know why that is. I, I have no idea why. That I have is. Gary Thorne for like, game two also, and I was wondering. I wanted to compare, but since you have the exact same thing, we cannot do that. Yes. Um, I will say since you brought up Bore, going into the series and listening to what announcers were talking about when they were talking about the Canucks series during. Rangers Devils games in the conference finals. Mm -hmm. I was kind of expecting Bore to be a tour de force throughout the entire series. I got to tell you, the first two games are not good for Pavel Bore. No, they're actively bad. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I'd say actively game, bad. Game he, one is actively invisible. bad because they he gets like no ice time for some reason. And then game two, he's out there like for 12, 12 minutes in the first. <laughs> well, I also uh, Vancouver Canucks coach Pat Quinn. I made the I don't know if it's the realization, but I just. He looks exactly like Newt Gingrich, and I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> so every time they went to the bench, I'd just be like, Newt, what are you doing? Come buddy? on, Newt. What's the strategy here, bro? This ain't your game. 
This ain't your potatoes. What are you doing? Pat Quinn. I'm looking at him right now. That is pretty funny. He's like Newt Gingrich. He does. <laughs> is it, I guess I, I guess that's to say a, a portly elderly white man with just crisp white hair looks like Newt Gingrich. Yes. But he looks like Newt Gingrich. It, I, it, I can't spot the difference, honestly. Um, I, I think it's Newt Gingrich. Let's, I don't know much. I, I haven't done a recent deep dive in mid-1990s politics, <laughs> but I know Newt Gingrich is heavily featured. That's a fact. Um, let's talk about Sam and JD, because I thought this was a little bit of a treat. I haven't listened to a lot of Sam and JD in my day. Uh, I'm well aware who JD is. Obviously, I cover him even more now, and we do that because we cover the team. And JD is now the president of the Rangers. But listening to him and Sam Rosen talk is like a real treat. But how much younger does Sam sound? He sounds, I know he legitimately is, but his voice has changed a lot over the years. I didn't expect it to be so different. Sam Rosen? Yeah, I think so, at least a little bit. Did you bit. expect him to sound, this was 26 years ago. You I guess. Him to sound sane? <laughs> I sort of did. It's weird. You know, I he's, guess. He's, he's an older gentleman now. I feel like, I, I, I feel like Al Michaels, maybe I, I'm wrong. I feel like he stayed, I uh, got a text message. Awesome job by keeping this, not the silencer on here. Um, uh, I feel like Al Michaels has stayed the same voice uh, tonally throughout the years, but Sam Rosen does sound a little bit different. I mean, it. it's just normal. I th- I think I don't I don't know if it's just it's also like technology has changed. If you go back and listen to Al Michaels broadcasts, like the 1980 uh, semifinal against the USSR mm-hmm. and the Miracle on Ice, I bet you Al Michaels sounds a little different. Not just because he's a younger man, but because technology is different. Like Sam Rosen just comes across more crisp now because that's, that's- fair. It's it's 2020. They legit like, have, have to, good have the technology. They have good audio quality and uh, yeah. actual. Good media. That's fair. That's fair. JD, though. I will say shout out, shout out, by the way, to MSG for being the one organization that has figured out how to put a countdown on when the team is on a power play. I know. That was nice to see. <laughs> the MSG logo does look pretty nice, too. I like the, re- the retro gold. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, um, I, 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 I liked hearing Sam and JD. I will say you could tell they were kind of ramping it up a little bit because it was a Stanley cup final. I know then this might come off as sacrilege to some people. I know a lot of people are in love and dearly miss the whoa babies from John Davidson. We had a lot. I was going to say, this is what I was going to say. And I'm glad you're saying this. I was like, I thought JD's analysis was good, but there, I have to say it was like every minute and a half. He'd be like, Oh baby. Oh wow. He went to the, Oh, like a lot. He did, he it's his trademark and I respect him for it. But the thing I liked from JD is there was one instance where they were breaking down when the Canucks essentially turned a three on two into a three on zero because the New York Rangers just capitulated in the zone and Davidson went through it. And that's basically what led to Brent Hedekin's first goal in two years. Oh my God. Um, it's, oh, <laughs> the only thing oh that could have made God. that better is if somehow he's got Ranger connections going into that game. But the fact that the like, Sam Rosen knew it immediately as soon as he scored. He's like, Brett Hedekin? He's like, the guy who hasn't scored in 24 goal months? goal in two years? His last goal was in 1992. That's his only goal ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Unbelievable. Uh, but that kind of JD analysis, I don't mind Bill Clement, but Bill Clement wasn't getting into the nitty-gritty like JD was. But it felt like every save that was being made, if they showed a replay, we were getting a whoa, baby. And I love hearing it. Don't get me wrong. I just thought I wasn't going to hear it as much as I did. It felt like I got it once every five minutes. I totally agree. I I was going to bring that up, and I'm glad we're lockstep and key on that. Richter has a tough uh, 
first period here. I mean, third, yeah, no, third period. Is this what third he, period? Well, I don't, I can't blame him on the Hedekin goal. Fair. And the second, the second goal is is soft as soft can be. He basically shits out a puck into his own net. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's gruesome, and and it's with one minute remaining. We should add to be to be fair though. If if I I need to defend Richter because mm-hmm. I think it's important important to point out that Kirk McLean made fifty two saves in this game. And it's not just that McLean was making, like it's not like the Rangers were just shooting the puck directly at him. I'm gonna. I, I joked on Twitter that when I close my eyes tonight, I'm gonna hear Sam Rosen screaming "Save by McLean!" But he just he played out of his fucking mind in this game. I can't imagine how deflating it must have been if you're the New York Rangers going from Martin Brodeur standing on your head for seven games and squeaking out a victory in Game Seven to Kirk McLean somehow transforming into prime Dominic Hasek in game one. It doesn't make any sense how well he played in this first game. It really and doesn't. The Rangers the Rangers were taking high, high danger shots. They were creating incredible goal-scoring opportunities. They were cashing in on the goal-scoring chances that they, for some reason, were just missing the net on Brodeur. And every time they had a great opportunity. Adam Graves had about nine opportunities in overtime that – a normal goalie would not go nine for nine on. And it's, it's the Rangers were clearly the better team in this game. So I am going to forgive Mike Richter for having one bad uh, goal allowed. I know it's the game tying goal and I know it's literally with a minute left, but I forgive Richter because McLean was out of this world. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not exactly a Vancouver Canucks um, fanatic, but this is like McLean's last good performance ever. I he he's, he does he does a pretty good job during the lockout season, and after that, it's all downhill. He'd been in the league since 1985 at this point. Um, yeah, if, if you could you could make a consmite case for Kirk McLean based on game one. Like if the Canucks eventually went on to win this series, I know Bore got all the headlines, but McLean's performance in game one is fucking legendary. I I don't know any other way to say it. I, the Rangers, the Rangers were the better team. There were plenty of times against the Devils where the Rangers got the win, and I didn't think they were the better team. But throughout this entire game, I, I didn't know the Rangers lost Game One. I didn't look at the series outcomes going into this game, so I just assumed the Rangers were going to win Game One based on how often they were getting shots on net and the way they lost. Oh my God, I would have. I know the amount of times I've said I would have been apoplectic. This one would have. This one would have ruined me, my man. <laughs> yeah, up a goal with a minute to go again in the third, and they blow it. And then Leach soft, the softest has goal what ever. looks like has what no, but Leach has what looks like a goal on one end, and it just the ricochet off the post is so dramatic that it leads to a two on one the other way, <laughs> and the Rangers are just overwhelmed. And Straight yeah, up. it goes right in. It goes right in. Um, it's. It's a true nightmare, and and the hitting the post. By the way, a Ranger Stanley Cup final uh, story. I guess that's really what we should call it. Um, it really, Chris Kreider esque from uh, our man Brian Leach in, in that situation. And yeah, but then both both teams ratcheted up in game two. It's I lost count of how many posts they hit. <laughs> I, the the quote from Gary Thorne is "Heavy metal is now in the NHL" or something like that. It was close. He said it a lot cooler. Um, but it yeah. was <laughs> Gary, Gary Thorne still undefeated. He had some amazing calls in game two. They're all amazing. So well, let's just end game one there because game game one is just. Well, we should we should just say again, at, we mentioned Kovalev and Leach setting up the right. first goal. Right. And then the play they make on the second goal. It's just 
honestly, I got offended watching that second goal, knowing that this wasn't just Rangers hockey for the next 15 years, because it's just, it's, it's a thing of beauty. I don't understand why the New York Rangers ever, I don't understand why Mike Keenan ever felt the need to take Alex Kovalev out of high pressure situations with Mark Messier. And then I don't understand why the New York Rangers ever thought that Alex Kovalev wasn't going to help their team be good and trade him away when they didn't have to trade him away. It, it, it This game really frustrated me when it comes to like the Rangers history of Alex Kovalev. Oh, Ko- I wish Kovalev was a Ranger for a long time. Uh, he clearly wasn't. Um, and we've talked about like the legacy of the 1994 team. I don't know how Kovalev isn't part of the big, like it should be a big five. Like it's always, it's always Graves. It's always Leach and, and Richter. And of course, Messier. But I think you can make a very, 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 very strong case that this does not happen without Kovalev. Yeah. And apparently part of it, I think was, well, no, the Rangers originally traded Nedved. Cause I think for somehow he fell out of favor with Messier and Messier had, so much sway in that locker room that, uh, you know, if he doesn't like a guy, that guy's got to go. Um, but I could, it's just, it's hard to think of the Rangers could have done this in tiers where they basically have Mark Messier on that top veteran tier, the captain. And then you have like that second group of veterans that are still kind of in their prime with Leach, Richter and Graves. And then they could have had that third group of kids with Nedved Kovalev and Zubov and they just blew it all up and it's honestly it's kind of a master class it's it's one of those things I I was I mean I think about this all the time but it's something that I think about even more now where with the New York Rangers after 1994 you can make the case that if they just stayed out of their own way they probably should have won another cup but they got in their own way which is why they slumped almost immediately after this season whereas when you compare it to the 1986 Mets and how dominant that team was the Mets really should have won the World Series in 1988, but they choked against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. With the Rangers, I don't have a second season that I I can sit here and say they choked because they made so many decisions that eventually crippled this 94 core. Oh, and it all it happened it. almost they 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 slumped in 95, but it was a lockout season, so you can kind of make an excuse for it. But at, as soon as that season's over, they're trading Zubov and Nedved. Within four two years after that, they're trading Kovalev. Graves is out the door shortly thereafter. Messier leaves. It's like the Rangers closed their own window, whereas other championship teams, the window usually closes on them in other ways. Right, like it, it's the salary every cap bad de- to them or they get older. Yeah, every bad decision the Rangers could make, it seems like they came out on the wrong end. And it's it's kind of, a, it's kind of impressive. Okay, let's take a quick break. And now it's time to talk about Hawthorne. Yes, Hawthorne. What is Hawthorne, you ask? Good question, my lads. Are you still wearing the blue polo from your high school girlfriend? Walking into Sephora to get cologne and being overwhelmed by all the scents and smells and choices? Are you wearing your Old Spice and girls think you smell like their dads, even though Old Spice is it's okay, you know? And what what is a dad? I don't know. Uh, Hawthorne.co.co is a really great place where you can go and get customized smelling soaps, lotions, hand lotions, shampoos, etc. They do the work for you. I mean, if you uh, you could get you could do that. You take the custom. It's so easy. You take the quiz. It's two minute quiz. You, Hawthorne tells you two colognes that are the best for you. One for work and one for play. That's right, one for play. And it's totally risk free and free shipping and free returns. You go to Hawthorne.co. 
That's right, Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code BSB to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code BSB. 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. And again, it's this wonderful experience of smelling good, feeling great, and looking your best. Hawthorne.co. And Return of the King. After it, the fact. It's, it's almost hard to mess it up that badly, right? Like, and that's what's been so interesting about this 94 rewatch is you get to see what is considered for us like the legacy moment of 1994 but then there's so many little things you don't realize like we, we you always glorify it it's 1994 oh my god the stanley cup mark messier the guarantee but mark messier wasn't the best player in these playoffs he probably wasn't even a top three player in these playoffs from the new york rangers and and this legacy this team what they did to get this cup and you of course, the sports motto is anything to get a championship, they're forever. And of course, I, you know, I would still want this cup over everything else. But you messed up the next 10 years to get this cup, at least. And maybe maybe chances at, at multiple cups, but they got it. And if they didn't, Greg, I can only imagine the pain that would have been uh, afterwards. I, I, I guess we're living sort of in it now, um, but 94 isn't as long as the, the Leafs have been waiting. No, it and it's it just stinks because the Rangers really could have been not maybe maybe not a dynasty, but they should have been a cup favorite for years to come. And I guess it's a credit to them that they never bottomed out. But boy, you you name it, they they lost about every trade they made after 1994, and that's really hard to do. Tough. They didn't get lucky once. Yeah, not one time. All right, let's get to game two. Game to a little bit of a different of a game. We talked about Mike Keenan and his uh, tour de force in this game. Uh, I have a couple yeah, different comments. <laughs> I mean, we, the the Rangers. So the Rangers do even up the series with a three one win, they and do. I'm sure we'll break down how they got to that three one win. But I we have to talk about how uh, Keenan just benches Brian Leach for the second period for reasons that go unexplained. Not even and Brian then, Leach. He benches he benches Kovalev too. And he also, uh, no, he, it was Kovalev he benched. You're right. He, I don't think he benched Brian Leach. I might have been getting confused. He benches Kovalev in the second period. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ESPN broadcast thinks it might be injury-related, but then it's quickly determined it's not injury-related because he's out there all the time in the third period. And then the thing that stood out to me is after the game, the ESPN broadcast lingered around long enough to show the stars of the game. And the so the media voted Sergey Zubov the game's second star, mm-hmm. and then the the broadcast immediately points out how Zubov was benched in the third period by Keenan. <laughs> so the media considered Sergey Zubov to be the second most important player for the Rangers in this game. Mike Keenan didn't see it that way. He benched him for the third. Period. Kevin Lowe, Incredible. by the way, was also benched for a period of time. No, Kevin Lowe was injured. He didn't play. Ah, I thought I thought he was benched um, towards the end of the second. Maybe I missed the no, injury. He 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 didn't dress. No, he's on the bench. All right, whatever. Um, least, he he literally didn't play. I wish I I, had, I promise you. Maybe I'm thinking of the first game. My apologies. Um, yeah, he w- he was in in game going into game one. They talk about how Kevin Lowe is dealing with an injury. Got it. And then immediately at the start of game two, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement talk about how. Kevin Lowe is not playing, and that's why Karpatsev is back in the line. I'm blaming Mike Keenan for things he didn't do, and I want to apologize for reporting incorrectly. Mike Keenan, can you forgive me? <laughs> um, but yes, the Kovalev thing is is very noticeable. He does play the third period. 
this game is sort of weird because it's not like they it's like the Raiders like really earned this game. Did you feel like this was a dominant win? Because it kind of goes down to the last. I mean, it literally goes down to the last five seconds of the game. It's a one goal. game. Um, No, but I didn't necessarily feel like the Canucks were doing anything that warranted them to get the win either. No, Uh, my my all time favorite player of the 1994 Rangers, Glenn Anderson, does score the game winning goal, but then almost immediately commits a unforgivable penalty that I just couldn't get uh, get over it. I know it's not listed here, but I remember he did. It might not have been an actual penalty, but he does something stupid where I'm like, God damn it, Glenn Anderson. All you had to do was literally sit down. If you just started taking knees on the ice, you would have been better than what you're actually doing. He just, and to be fair, the Glenn Anderson goal is all Mark Messier. Mark Messier is the one that takes the puck out of the zone on the penalty kill, basically crashes the net with two Canucks draped over his back, somehow centers the puck from behind the net back to Anderson for Anderson to score the empty net goal. So while Anderson's the one that gets credit for the physical goal, that goal is Marc Messier's. He did literally everything to create that goal. So I'm not even going to sit here and pretend like Glenn Anderson's the guy that deserves the credit. It is 110% Marc Messier. And if I just happened to be standing there, I would have gotten credit for the goal. Yeah, it's... Glenn Anderson is a nightmare, this whole... I mean, they... These things. I, I don't think you have to be nice about it. Keenan Keenan defends him. He's like he does everything on the ice. You know, he gets out there. He does. He has these intangibles. He's terrible. He's awful. For for a guy who scored a go ahead goal against the Devils and now scores this go ahead goal in the Stanley Cup final, I think the Rangers would have been better off if Glenn Anderson just didn't exist as a Ranger. I I one hundred and ten percent believe. I agree. And Gary Thornton says he scored one goal in his last sixteen games, and he'd pay a lot of his mo- a lot of money to get another one. And he does get one. Uh, it's just really not his fault. <laughs> no. And again, just remember, and we've talked about this before, the Rangers for some reason traded Mike Gartner to get Glenn Anderson because people thought Mike Gartner couldn't score in the playoffs, despite, again, Mike Gartner having about 30-plus goals in 80 playoff games. That's what I consider to be scoring at a high rate for the playoffs. And yet the New York Rangers doing New York Rangers things. Inexcusable. So – now we're uh, the Rangers are up two one heading into the third period, and this whole third period is just it's tense. I mean, they they even say like on the bench, uh, you could you could feel the intensity. Everyone's kind of tightening up because they're used to letting in these late goal games, uh, late late game goals rather. And with very little time left and an empty netter, Brian Leach puts it away, and the the Rangers end up winning. There's really not a lot like that happens in the second game. There's nothing really notable. There's like some really questionable Mike Just Keenan decisions, but there's nothing. The like- amount of well, the the two benchings and the posts. That's really what it comes so down. many it, posts. And to to be fair, it seemed like each team was hitting the post equally. Yep. So it's not like one team was getting just dinged more than the other. It was the post was an equal opportunity provider for both teams, and it was it was just poetry in motion to watch. It was. Um, I I really, unfortunately, don't have, like, a ton of takeaways from this. Uh, I thought Gareth Thornton was wonderful again. I thought Brian Leach continued to be one of, if not the best player on the ice. Pavel Bure got his name said probably more than any other player, despite not being the best player on the ice. Um, Was there another Vancouver Canuck that stood out to you? Because for me, not really. There's no one that I'm looking at, like, who's that guy? Um, I think it's interesting to go back and realize that we're seeing young uh, Martin Jelena because he has a really solid career. 
I think we all are us specifically us 30 something Ranger fans like don't appreciate how good Trevor Linden was back in the day. Um, and he's been very noticeable on the ice. Every time I I've watched too much, I've now watched too much, uh, um, it Hamilton. So every time they bring up Alex Lafayette, I just start thinking of the Marquis de Lafayette and it's all the, all that goes through my mind and, Sorry, Nathan Lafayette, that I don't think you're a real person. I think you're a historical figure that sings and entertains for me in the musical that I like. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It, this isn't exactly the sexiest Canucks team of all time. And I think that's part of the point of how it was a magical run for them to get there. They're kind of a team just thrown together, and Kirk McLean is playing out of his mind. But outside of Linden and Bore, it's, it's not like this team has star power. Which is incredible. Uh, we'll, I have a lot to say because I did look at the rest of the scores for the series. And we'll get to it as it comes. Um, I think that's it for today's OT. A hot 30 minutes of uh, games one and two. I didn't miss. I don't think we missed too much. Um, games two. Game two is really like it's a solid Ranger win, but nothing stands out. It's it's a fun watch. Um, but that's that's really it. So we're going to come yeah, back. It, they, needed, they needed to get the win. So I'm glad they got the win. But yeah, it's it's kind of one of those games that it's just a, it's a game that happened in the series. It, it's not a game that says anything about the future outcome of the series. Uh, we'll see. Cause next two games, uh, they're big time Ranger games. So, and then the week, a- the week after are going to be real sad Ranger times and then game seven. All right. So we'll be back next week with games three and four. We'll talk to you guys. Then uh, follow me on Twitter or Ryan me follow Greg at blue shirts break. And we'll be back next week. Love you guys.